Hebrews chapter 3 in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to talk this morning mainly about the issue of the rest for the child of God. There is a rest for the child of God. Now, we're looking at the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, what we're seeing is that uh, the, the Hebrew believers were weary. They were going backwards and they were thinking, we'll go back to our old ways. We'll go back to our old ways. And they had a lot to go back to. They had tradition. They had uh, their, 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 uh, their, their history. Uh, they, they, they had a whole lot going on for them uh, that would draw them to go back. One of the things they had that would draw them back was this man, Moses. Because Moses is <clears throat> arguably one of the greatest leaders of all time. I think about what Moses did. Moses took a... a <clears throat> Not even a nation. They couldn't have been called a nation. They were a group of slaves of one nationality, but they certainly weren't a nation. They were beaten down, trodden down, a group of people who had no power and no control over their own lives. They were in seriously poor shape. And Moses took that people, led them out of Egypt, and forged them into a nation. And they became a nation and a nation to reckon with. They became quite the people, <clears throat> and Moses did that. So the, 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 the Hebrews justifiably, the Jews, looked up to Moses, and they thought he was great. And <clears throat> so what the writer of the book of Hebrews is doing is he's saying, yeah, he was great, but he's not as good as Jesus. In fact, he's nothing as good as Jesus. And he's going to then start, and almost all of these next two chapters are going to be taken up with one thought, the rest of God. Because, you see, Moses' job was not just to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Moses' job was to lead them into the land of Canaan, which was to be their place of rest. And he's going to talk, and he's going to compare effectively the rest that Moses could deliver to the rest that Jesus delivers. And that's where it gets real for you and I. See, there's a rest for the child of God. There's a rest that you and I are supposed to enjoy. We're no longer striving. We're no longer working at it. We're no longer trying to make it happen. There's a rest. It's not a rest that you spend in bed, though. It's a different kind of rest entirely. And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks, next to maybe two, maybe three weeks, uh, looking at that. But today we will start looking at that. Uh, so let's, let's, let's do this. Let's begin by reading all of chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, uh, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God." And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, he's, he's, he's quoting now for us from Psalm 95. And this is dealing with the nation of Israel, the children of Israel in the wilderness. But what he's doing is he's taken a warning to the Old Testament Jew. And we'll explain that in a few minutes. He's taken a warning to them and he's bringing it over to you and he's saying, now look, don't harden your hearts. 
Don't miss this. Don't miss this thing called rest. This is, this is real important here. There, there are five serious warnings in this book of Hebrews. This is one of them. He says, don't miss the rest. And you know, <clears throat> whenever God tells you not to miss something, or whenever God tells you not to do something, he tells you because there's a strong likelihood that you will. And there's a strong likelihood that you will miss the rest that God has for you. And there's a strong likelihood that many of you, perhaps, are living lives that are not enjoying the rest he has for you. Don't harden your hearts. Be open. Receive what he's got for you. Let him speak to you about this rest that he has for you. Um, Verse 8 again. Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, you know the way to, uh, to stop going into this rest? To have an evil heart of unbelief. And we'll talk about that next week. But uh, <clears throat> an evil heart of unbelief will hinder you completely from coming into rest. You have to trust. You have to depend. Um, <clears throat> but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And here, here we have again, by the way, the church is supposed to watch out for one another and exhort one another. We're to exhort one another as far as faith is concerned. We're to encourage one, one another. Because you know what? Just like these Hebrew believers, modern day Christians fall back, don't they? They go back to the old ways, the old paths, living the old life, doing what's easy, comfortable, normal, what doesn't create a reaction to them. New Testament believers do that too. And he's saying, no, listen, you need to encourage each other. Encourage each other to faith. Um, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice second time, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they, they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Father, would you bless us now as we look to your word? Would you help us, Lord? Lord, we want this rest. Lord, we may not even understand fully what it is, but we want it, Lord. Uh, We want to live in that sweet place of rest, and we want your blessing and your hand upon us, and we want to enjoy it. And, oh, Lord, I'm sure there are people here this morning that are considering it's too hard. I can't do it. I, I, I need to go back and go the old way. Lord, there always are. Oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you lay hold upon that one? Would you convince them? Would you exhort them to faith that they might trust you and that they might see the possibilities, the reality, the joy of resting in you? Now, Lord, we're depending upon you. Lord, all good things come from you. Would you be with us in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, so uh, Jesus is better than Moses. Um, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. You see, Moses was a good man. Moses was a faithful man. But Moses was a servant, and um, <clears throat> Jesus was the owner. Moses served God. He served him faithfully. But Jesus was God. 
And remember, that's what we looked at the message, not last week, but the week before. We looked at the fact that Jesus is the express image of the living God, that he is God himself. He is very God. And so to compare Jesus with Moses really doesn't work. Uh, to compare um, the, the, the Old Testament plan um, given by Moses to the New Testament plan given by Jesus just doesn't compare. And yet these people were thinking about it. They, 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 they were looking at it. You see, <clears throat> Moses was a servant. Uh, Jesus was a son. Uh, Jesus was the owner. He was God. He is the one that can lead them. And this issue of rest <clears throat> for the child of God is, is, is very uh, important to us because that's what he's going to actually take and focus on now uh, for the, 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 the bulk of these next two chapters. Because as good as Moses was, Moses couldn't do what Jesus was going to do. As powerful as Moses was, he wasn't able to do what Jesus was, could do for them. And he needed them to catch it and understand it. And you and I need to catch it and understand it too. We need to understand this thing of rest. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. There's a promise for you of rest. There's a promise of rest. Let me ask you, would, would you say this morning that you're resting in your Christianity? Would you say that you're resting in Christ? Would you say that you're enjoying a restful relationship with your Savior that's sweet and blessed in your life? Let's talk about it for a few minutes, right? First of all, what is rest? If I I talk to you about rest, you know what immediately comes into your mind? Yeah, when he's done up there, we're going to go home, and we're going to get our dinner, and we're going to have a rest. <clears throat> right? We're going to have a rest. Uh, this is Sunday. Uh, we're going to enjoy rest. Well, it's not talking about that kind of a rest. That's one of the confusing things for us. You know, <clears throat> talking about heaven uh, on Wednesday nights, and, and um, somebody said, doesn't, it doesn't matter who said, but somebody said uh, when we talked about heaven being a place where we would work, but I, I, I need a rest. Right? And what they were thinking was, you know, heaven's a rest, so heaven is a place where you go and you just kick back, relax, and enjoy, uh, you know, sleeping on beds of ease, rolling in the clouds forever and ever and ever. Listen, do you know one of the reasons why a lot of people don't, don't want to go to heaven? Because they think that's what heaven's about. And that's not what heaven's about. There's a rest in heaven. But it's not about sleeping. It's not about um, sitting around doing nothing. Uh, it's not amusement. You know, sometimes you come in after a long day and you just, want to, you just want to flick on the box and watch something brainless to amuse yourself. <clears throat> it's dangerous stuff. Um, but you want to amuse yourself. Not, that's not rest. And by the way, here's how you'll know. You can watch TV all night and stand up from the TV worn out. You know, that's, that, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about rest. It's not sleep. Um, sleeping is not the idea uh, that we're talking about as far as rest. Do you realize that uh, since there's no night in heaven, there'll be no sleep? Now, some of you are going to think, oh, why do you have to tell us that? You won't need to sleep in heaven. You need to sleep in this day and age because you need to replenish your body and get it uh, working again. But you won't need sleep in heaven. Um, It's not recreation. It's not holidays. It's not no work. So what is this rest thing that we're talking about? 
What is this rest thing that we're talking about? Well, let's do a real quick Bible study on what rest would be. I'll just give you the verses rather than have you look at them all up today, right? Uh, First of all, God created the world and then he rested. We're familiar with that thought, aren't we? In Genesis chapter 1, we see all the story of the creation. He creates man and woman. He creates uh, all of it in Genesis chapter 1. And then in Genesis 2 verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Right, now, do you think God went to bed on the seventh day because he was exhausted? He'd done a lot in that week, hadn't he? In those six days, he had done a lot in that week. What do you think God's resting on the seventh day. By the way, <clears throat> when it talks about him resting, it talks about him ceasing from his work. It was done. It was finished. It was over. <clears throat> now, it didn't mean that he didn't have, didn't have and doesn't have constant input into it ever since, but the work of creation was done, finished, over. He ceased. It was, it was, and then he rested. What do you think he did on that day of grace? I'll tell you what I think he did, right? <clears throat> Here's what I think he did. I think he went and he got Adam and Eve and he took them and he showed them all the work of creation. And you say, that's a bit far-fetched. Where'd you get that from? Why was man created in the first place? Man was created to glorify God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Creation declares the glory of God. That's the prime function as far as God is concerned with the creation, that it would declare his glory. And you know what? God created you and I so that we would bring glory to his name. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that God is needy. God is never needy. But that's what he tells us he did. I think what he did was he went and got Adam and Eve, and he took them around creation on that, on that day, and he showed them. And Adam and Eve were suitably awed as he showed them what he had done. Can you imagine him showing them the stars and explaining to them how far away they were? Can you imagine him showing them the sun? Now, I created that. That's, that's a ball of energy that just sits up there in the air and it radiates its energy down here. And without it, you couldn't exist. This, this, this world, the planet couldn't exist. Life couldn't stay. I put it there. And you see the moon? I put the moon there just to give you light by night. And, and God would have explained to Adam and Eve all that he had done and <clears throat> why he had done it. And they would have been absolutely amazed at what God did. Now catch that thought. Understand that thought. Because God sanctified that seventh day and he made it a day of rest. The next time we come across this idea of rest is uh, in the law. And in Exodus chapter 23, 12, God said to, uh, through Moses, Six days shalt thou do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest that thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thine handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. Now, what was the Sabbath day about for the Old Testament Jew? Was it a day when he went to bed? I've heard Christians say that, but Sunday's the day of rest. I don't go to church, I don't do anything, because it's the day of rest, and I stay home, and I stay in bed. Now, hang on a minute. This, this, This has to be a different picture than God is giving us. You see, the Old Testament Jew... Worshipped on the Sabbath. It was the day. You see, it wasn't a day for him just to kind of kick back and relax. 
It was a day for him to step out of all his normal work and stuff that he did and all the stuff that occupied his time. And he, he was to stop doing all that. It was had a function of resting his body. Yeah, sure. But what it did was it didn't just rest his body. He focused on God. And if you like, he got straightened out. Because the world has a way of wearing you down, doesn't it? The workaday world has a way of actually going after you and kind of just, just, you know, wearing you down and wearing you out. And then you take time and you focus on God and you lift up your heart to him. And the rest of life kind of falls into place. The rest of life kind of comes right because God's the center of it all. He's the one that is the doer of it all. He's the one with the power. Uh, he's the great one in the situation. He's got it all in hand, and he's got you in hand and got your back, and you know what? Everything's okay. And that's, that's the lesson. Listen, God wants our worship because he's God, and he desires that we should worship him. But you know what? I need to worship. I need to worship because this world can wear you down right quick. But when I worship, which is active... You know what? I come into a rest. You know that rest in your spirit? That rest in your spirit, maybe when you, when you, when you unburden yourself before God in your prayer. You just come and you just got a burden on your heart and it's just, oh, and, I, and Lord, there's this problem and, there's, and then he knows them all beforehand. But you, you come and you bring your burdens and your needs and you go at the end of it all and you go, oh, thank you, Lord, for taking that over. And there's rest. Burden's not gone away. Problem's not gone away. It's not difficult, not changed. But you know what? It's not as difficult now. God's involved. God's involved. God's, God's taken over. God's in the center of it all. And there's rest. You see, <clears throat> that's the kind of rest God is talking about for us. He's talking about this time when we make him the center of it all and we rest. See, the nation of Israel... <clears throat> God planned to bring them into this land and give them rest. Now, what was it rest from? Well, just think about it for a second. Here you are, and you're, a, uh, you're, the, um, uh, you're in Egypt with the nation of Israel. Well, you're a slave. You don't have any rights. You do what you're told all day, every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You have no time for yourself, no time... For, uh, because basically you're just an, an animal that, that serves Pharaoh. Right? <clears throat> and any time uh, they like ser- ser- Pharaoh's servants can beat up on you. And it got towards the end where, you know what, they were afraid of them because they were growing so fast that a Pharaoh's soldiers could come in and take your baby boy and kill him in front of you. It was a horrible life. It was a dreadful life. They, they had no rest whatever. And so God came down and he called Moses because he was going to lead them into the land of Canaan. He was going to give them a place of rest. Now, what would that place of rest be like to them? What would it mean to them? Well, he was leading them into the land of Canaan. That would be their home. They would be safe. They would be no longer slaves. They would no longer live in fear. Fear was going to be gone. They would have a shepherd to look after them and take care of them. He was leading them to a good place. Now, but I want you to understand, because they got this wrong, and it ruined them. He was going to be with them 
in the land of Canaan. He was going to be with them. He was going to be their God. They were going to obey him and he was going to take care of them and they were going to have rest. But after a while, they thought they didn't need it. They thought they didn't need him. Things were going good. They had rest. They had food. They had vines. They had olives. They had milk. You know what? They were doing okay. And they didn't need it. And you know what? He withdrew and with him went the rest. Because see, here's what you all need to understand. You and I need to understand this. The rest is in him, never apart from him. The rest is in him, never apart from him. Let me give you a verse that I think will help you. Uh, Exodus 33, verse 14. Moses is, is burdened down under the weight of the nation because they're constantly complaining. They're constantly murmuring. They want to go back to Egypt. You know, they want to do the most foolish of things. And Moses is the man, so he's the focus of it all. And they're going after him and going after him and going after him. And Moses goes up on the mountain and God gives him the Ten Commandments. Imagine God's finger writing on stone. And Moses carries the Ten Commandments down. And on the way down, God says, you better get down there quick. Because your people, people you took out of Egypt, they are worshiping idols, and I am mightily upset. And so there ensues a conversation between God and Moses, and Moses successfully pleads for the people, and the people, God God says, well, he won't kill them all. Because he was going to kill them all, raise up a new nation out of Moses, so he won't kill them all, so uh, he lets them off. But then he tells Moses this in Exodus 33, he says, listen, these are stiff-necked people. I am not going to go up with you, because if I go up with you, I will kill them all. They will make me angry, and I will kill them all. They, they, They keep doing the wrong thing, they... They keep going expressly against what I said them to do, and, and I will kill them. And Moses says, Lord, I can't do it without you. Lord, I'm not able. Lord, in fact, if you're not going to come with me, I'm, I don't want to go. I, I don't want the land of promise. I don't want all that stuff if you're not going to go with me. And God says this to Moses. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. God says, okay, Moses, I'll go with you, and I will give you rest. Now, <clears throat> what was that going to look like? How was that going to look like Moses going to rest? Obviously, he wasn't going to bed. He wasn't having holidays. He wasn't going on uh, <coughs> uh, amusing himself. How is that kind of rest going to look? Well, well, I'll put it in terms that we can understand. I'm not being irreverent here. I'll put it in terms that, that, you know what, from time to time, God was going to sit down with Moses and have a cup of tea with him. He was going to sit down and talk to Moses, and he was going to go through it all with Moses and help Moses. He was going to take Moses by the hand. He was going to walk Moses through the, promise, uh, through the, through the, through the problems and the difficulty. He was going to be with them. And Moses was going to come to find his times with God were his rest. They were his rest. You know, <clears throat> you can't separate the rest from the person of the rest. There's no way you can do it because he is our rest. He is the one that we look to for rest. Do you know there's a rest in Christ for us? Let me give you the verse. Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29 says, 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Where's the rest? Rest is in him. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Do you know <clears throat> you are going to labor and be heavy laden at times with the things of the world? And if you let it, the world will wear you out, suck the joy out of you, suck the life out of you, and just wear you down. But do you know what Jesus says? I will give you rest. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. There's an invitation there for you and I. There's rest available to us if we will come unto him. Isn't that wonderful? There's rest available. Now, we'll talk about the things that would hinder you from coming to him next week. But here's what I want you to catch. There is rest available for you today. Okay? Now, it is not no problems. It is not no work. There is rest in him. Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll take care of you. I'll look after you. You'll be safe. You'll be okay. You'll be at home. Just come to me. Just come to me and I will take care of you. Come to me and I will give you rest. Do you know the world will never stop It's spinning and it's asking and it's demanding and it's looking and it's drawing from you. You're not going to get that. Even when you go to bed sometimes, your head keeps spinning with all the stuff that's going on in the day. You know, you can't hide from the problems of the world. But there is one you can bring them to. And he can put them in perspective. He can look at your life and put them all in perspective and they don't seem so big and they don't seem so harsh and they don't seem like they're going to steal your joy and ruin your life anymore because you've got him. And he says, come to me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest is in him. You know what you and I are inclined to do? When we get overburdened and worn out and tired, we're likely to not come to him, aren't we? I'm so tired. I'll just, I'll just sleep through the alarm clock and, and I'll head out to work. I mean, I'll try and catch up with God sometime later in the day. And you know what? It often never happens. We're weary. We're, and by the end of the day, we're even more weary. You know, and in, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has a busy day, busy, busy day. And it goes through a list of the things he did. And I mean, make your head spin, all the things that he did. But you know where the next morning finds him? Early next morning before the break of day, Jesus went out into a desert place to pray. Why? Because he was weary. He needed rest. And he knew where to go for rest. He went to his father. Do you know that you and I need to learn that lesson? When we're tired, weary, worn out, overburdened, beaten down, we need to flee to Jesus. We need to run to him. We need to carve some time out of the day and not go to bed. Go to him. And you know what? 
You start crying out to him and he starts working in your life and this restful spirit comes over you. And you can enjoy him. Because he is our rest. He is our rest. And a couple of thoughts and we're done, right? <clears throat> I love the song, I am his and he is mine. The verse I love particularly in it is this. Things that once were wild alarms cannot now disturb my rest. Now why? Because I am his and he is mine. Things that would, would, have, would have floored me can't disturb my rest. Why? Because I am his and he is mine. I'm with him. Stories told about Hudson Taylor, the great missionary that opened up China to missions and, and um, <clears throat> had a thousand missionaries on the mission field at one point. And Hudson Taylor <clears throat> was out of the country. I believe he was in Switzerland at the time. Uh, speaking, and he got word of the Boxer Rebellion. And what it meant is that his missionaries were being slaughtered. And the story started coming back, and, and one went into his room and, in fear and in terror and told him about some missionaries that had been killed. And the man went out to leave Taylor alone with God. And as he was outside, he heard Taylor singing. He was singing the song that we're just about to sing in a few moments. I, <clears throat> Jesus, I am resting in the joy of what thou art. And the man that had given him the news was, he was upset. He was angry. And so, so he came back in and he said, Mr. Taylor, how can you sing? when people are suffering? How can you sing when missionaries are being killed? And Taylor very easily explained this to him. He said, I can do nothing for them. Where I am, I can do nothing for them. He will. He will take care of them. But <clears throat> if I allow my rest to be taken away, then I can't even pray for them and help them. You know what? You can rest in the most difficult of times because God's got it in hand. You know, those missionaries that died, <clears throat> they weren't complaining. They were with the Lord. But you know what? Oftentimes we let the things that happen in the world destroy us. We let the things that happen in the world just take away our peace, take away our, away our rest, put a wedge between us and God. And then we're no use. We need to rest. You and I need to rest in him. There are going to be bad things happen in our lives. But we need to learn to rest in him. He's got it in hand. He's got all of it in hand. He's got all the difficulties you and I are ever going to face in and nothing is happening apart from him. I can't control it. You can't control it. Nobody can. But he already has it in control. And when I'm there, when I'm in him, I can rest. That's the rest he's talking about. That rest where you crawl up in your father's arms and he holds you close and you're safe and it's okay 
as he's got you. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you today, Lord. And Lord, we freely admit that, Lord, so often we don't rest. Instead of resting, Lord, we fight, we fuss, we complain, we don't trust. But Lord, we need rest. We need your rest. Lord, Christians walk away because they don't find rest. And Lord, you've said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, Lord, we're looking to you today and we're asking you to make that rest real in our lives. Lord, if there be one that would be in that place, Lord, they, of, of fighting and of fussing, may they lay down their arms today and rest in you. And Lord, may we recognize that you have us. You have our backs. You have all that we need. And one day we're going to enjoy an eternal rest with you in heaven. Now, Lord, bless your children because we need it in Jesus' name.